0: Are you curious on how much your business is worth? Get your free no-obligation offer from OpenStore at open.store. The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly $500 billion by 2025. Recharge is a leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale their subscription offerings. Over 15,000 merchants use subscriptions powered by Recharge to grow their business and their communities by increasing average order value, reducing churn, and providing predictable recurring revenue. Turn transactions into long term customer relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Check them out at rechargepayments.com forward slash DTC pod.
1: What's up, DTC Pod? Today, we're joined by Lauren Kleinman, who is the founder and CEO of Dream Day, as well as one of the co-founders of the Quality Edit. So, Lauren, I'll let you kick us off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how, and some of the projects that you've been involved in across the DTC landscape?
2: Yeah, sounds great. Thank you so much, Ramon and Blaine, for having me. So excited to be here and be chatting with you both. Um, my background. Uh, I don't know how far you want to go back, but um, uh, I kind of started uh, out of college at a gaming company called Scopely, um, tremendously successful company, but realized I wasn't really passionate about uh, gaming um, as much as I love to play like words with friends, um, and met the CEO of Ritual, the D2C consumer um, company in the health space, um, that was probably about nine or eight years ago, and um, really was so passionate about kind of her mission. And um, I love the idea of like being able to build a brand, you know, from the ground up that kind of combined a lot of things that I was passionate about, including like design and science and um, branding and put that all into, you know, one amazing company. So um, prior to dream day and the quality edit, it, I was at ritual and I was our um, a founding team member and our VP of marketing um, in the beginning, I oversaw everything from, like, branding, packaging, positioning, and PR, um, and then towards the end of my tenure there, I started to really do some interesting and, like, bespoke partnerships, specifically around content and top-tier publishing, um, or top-tier publishers. So, um, what what we were doing was, one, just trying to get the best stories told from the best publications. And I think especially for like an ingestible product, something that you put in or on your body, um, you know, having that firsthand review is so impactful. So a lot of what we were doing was just seeding the product, getting people to try it. And what that resulted in was, um, luckily a lot of really great stories. And as one example, which I'll get into probably later, like we sent product to a Buzzfeed editor, the editor tried it, they were utilizing affiliate links. We saw that it had a crazy high conversion rate, like 10% of people who, you know, were reading the article were then checking out and buying the product. And I was always really frustrated with PR, like how, you know, you have the greatest PR piece, but then like there's no way to really keep the momentum going. So we started thinking about how do we really leverage this editorial through our our paid acquisition and make sure that we're acquiring customers in a thoughtful way that comes with that storytelling, third party credibility, validation. Um, And so we were the first brand to really um, do this kind of like bespoke leveraging editorial you know content in our advertising with BuzzFeed that changed the trajectory of the company at ritual really like opened my eyes to like the um, magnitude and like impact that content marketing could have. Um, and that actually became the impetus of what me and my co-founder um, Lee built at the quality edit wherein you know we're creating this, we have this publisher that has credibility. we do the majority of our content is organic. Um, but we allow D2C brands to amplify that content. We're also creating UGC ad assets. Um, we create landing pages. Again, going back to Ritual, we'd have to like hire an agency for each one of those um, facets. And so, at the quality that we're combining, kind of all of those strategies to help our brands find, um, you know, scale and efficiency on paid social. Which, as you guys know, it's like pretty rough out there. So. Even after the iOS changes, we've actually seen brands lean and our clients lean further into us um, because we're like, this strategy is one thing that is working for them on paid social. So that is kind of like the inspiration behind the quality of it and kind of what we're doing there. Um, my other business is called Dream Day. It's a separate business. Um, there are a lot of synergies around you know content, commerce, conversion between both businesses, but... Um, Dream Day is a separate business, um, also inspired by a lot of my work at Ritual. I was managing PR agencies my entire career and felt that the lack of kind of data and um, insight-driven like analysis around the press that we were getting was pretty frustrating. It felt like PR agencies like get you half of the way there in that, you know, they get you maybe a great story, but they're not really interested in like how that's actually performing or how that's impacting the bottom line for your company. So I felt like PR agencies only get you half of the way there. I also managed affiliate agencies and knew that kind of the, you know, whole (laughs) shtick was like, we're going to turn on deal sites, loyalty sites, and that's going to be like the majority of the affiliate program. But for a brand like Ritual, that was like, highly cognizant about, you know, how and where we showed up as a brand. Um, We didn't want to be associated with like, you know, crappy deal sites. So essentially combined a lot of my learnings around what was broken with PR, what was broken with affiliate marketing into kind of this new term that we coined as like performance PR. So what we do is we focus on commerce and consumer PR that can actually move the needle and drive revenue and traffic for the brands that we work with. Um, and um, uh, we focus on affiliate marketing, but really focusing on uh, top tier publishers. So kind of flipping the traditional model on its head, focusing on top tier content, um, you know, niche blogs, like all of the kind of more brand aligned content. Um, we do recommend like a diversified strategy, but very much focused on leveraging a lot of, you know, my relationships and our team's relationships that we've built over the last 10 years, working with everyone from Condé Nast to BuzzFeed to Meredith, Business Insider, Hearst, <laughs> Pop Sugar, Pure Wow, like all the, the mainstream publishers. Um, and so I think for the first time, like we're able to, you know, get a lot of the, the best hits for our clients because we're working, we're meeting publishers with where they're at now, right? Like traditional, um, you know, Print is dead. Um, unfortunately, like a lot of teams have fired their editorial teams, but they've really staffed up on the commerce side. And so, the way that publishers are staying in business is by affiliate and commerce sales. And so, what we look to do on behalf of our clients is form those mutually beneficial relationships where we're not only sharing the most, you know, compelling and interesting D 2 C brands with the publishers. But we're also helping them, like, size up the business opportunity of partnering with the brand. What's the brand's AOV? What's the commission rate? Like, has this sold very well for the publication in the past? Um, and being able to, you know, for, for the publishers, add in all of that data. But then obviously for the brands also say, okay, here's this press piece that we got you. This is how much traffic and revenue it drove. And these are the steps that we're going to do moving forward to really um, continue to deepen that relationship with that publisher.
1: So Lauren, one question that I would, I have, or just so I'm understanding it correctly, it's almost like you had all this experience at Ritual and then you were building out the performance side of the PR in terms of like forming all these relationships and everything. And you were also noticing at the same time that um, with all the value that you were providing to these publishers, you were like, oh, we could also create um, separately a publisher ourselves. And is that what the quality at it it's like, you kind of knew what they were looking for. And you knew that there, you were, um, intermediate, you were the intermediary between the brands and the publishers and themselves. And you're like, wait a minute. We can also spin up a purpose-built publishing house ourselves.
2: Um, I think I'm following the question. I think, um, it was actually like inspired by what, you know, at, at ritual what Buzzfeed, I will say like they're they're incredible, especially Nila Ali just left. But I, I feel like she's a real, you know, thought leader in this space. She was their SVP of commerce. I feel like she really understands kind of how to um, provide kind of bespoke marketing strategies, again, for like brands to kind of leverage editorial through performance marketing. Um, but what I saw was like, <laughs> I hate to say this out loud, but like outside of BuzzFeed, it was kind of like a steep, you know, cliff and like a lot of the publishers are, you know, very old school. And so um, it really was inspired by kind of that and like wanting to one, create an amazing publication that was curating all the best direct to consumer, you know, brands and products, especially like we launched in in the peak of the pandemic when, you know, um, the barrier to entry to create a new brand has never been lower. And, you know, consumer goods were flourishing with everyone in COVID just buying stuff online. And so we ourselves were testing so many different brands and like did not really have a resource that we would go to every day to go trust and kind of discover and find them. So that was kind of the, the idea on the consumer side is like, let's build a publication that we ourselves would want to read. Um, and then on the, you know, you know, business side, it, it's kind of more um, uh, what, how can we help brands, you know, kind of employ a lot of these strategies and almost like, growth hack their growth marketing by the strategies that me and my co-founders saw to work so well at Ritual. And again, like if you go to a, even a Buzzfeed, like they're not creating ads for you or they're not creating landing pages for you. Um, and so rolling up kind of all of those strategies or even we're sourcing influencers for our brands. Like we combine all these strategies again, that's like helping with third party credibility with validation. Um, And I think, you know, as a consumer myself, being served an ad where it's someone else telling me whether that's an influencer, a publication editor, whatever, someone that comes with trust to say, I tried this, we reviewed this, this is like our honest thoughts. um, This is why you should believe us is so much more impactful than the brand saying, you know, try our product. This is why we're so great.
0: And it's like, on the other hand, the affiliate model is just, yeah, they track the performance. But again, there's no landing page building. There's no brand messaging controlling. Like you have these affiliate networks that it's just very transactional. Here's my ref share. Go at it. Um, whereas PR has experience in driving that message that resonates with the audience and sort of controlling the brand side. So it seems like a good crossover there. I do have a question based on, you know, you're you're sort of defining this new way of measuring performance for PR what is the traditional way that PR um is measured uh like like how did DTC brands really measure PR you know say three years ago or so before this this model what drove you to that
2: I love this question because I think it's so archaic um but traditionally like you know when I would receive the PR reports at Ritual or at Scopely um you know I think one metric is the amount of press hits right um, and that we still track for at Dream Day. Um, we also track like the quality of press hits. Like, is this a roundup? Is this a dedicated feature? You know, if it's a roundup, what is your placement? Are you number one, or are like you number, you know, forty five? Um, and um, so that that I would say is on the traditional side. But I think like there's also this metric, which is uh, you know UVPM or unique views uh, per month that publishers will use. And so PR agencies will say, okay, we got you this story in CNN and CNN has, you know, 40 million uniques per month. And so therefore, um, you know, we got you 40 million impressions, but like as marketers, like, you know, that just because a story went to CNN, it doesn't mean that you've got all those views on your content, right? It, it matters what percentage of people that are coming to the CNN site actually clicked on the article and saw it and read it and clicked through and then clicked through to your site. Um, But also like, how was the publisher promoting that content? Was was it promoted on newsletter? Was it promoted on homepage? Like the UVPM metric was the traditional kind of gold standard. Again, aside from like, you know, how many press hits did we get um, in terms of like measuring, you know, performance and, that always felt like the most useless metric to me. Like it just, I guess it was the o- one of the only metrics that you know PR kind of had at the time. But I think now, um, you know, what we look for is again like being able to tie specific pieces to. You know, we have links on each piece. Ninety nine percent of the press hits that we get for our clients are utilizing an affiliate link that we ourselves created and you know pitch that editor or that publication. So it's extremely trackable, and we can see okay you know, um, what is the traffic increase month over month with that publication? Or, you know, obviously with the affiliate program at large, um, how much revenue did that drive? And then again, like we look to kind of, um, you know, go a layer deeper with the publications and with our relationships. So we'll do things like, um, you know, commission rate, um, bonuses, if publishers hit a certain, um, you know, revenue target, or if you have a specific launch coming up, we can go back and say are the five best performing publishers over the last, you know, two quarters that we want to work with and let's give them like an exclusive discount code or let's give them an increased commission rate for this launch. Um, so a lot of different kind of strategies around, you know, being able to first have those insights and then like, okay, how do you leverage them to really deepen that relationship?
1: And Lauren, what is the typical, like let's say you're working with a brand and you are able to place them into one of these sort of content pieces. What type of like conversion are we talking? Because I know you said there's so many variables at play where they're mentioned, what the story is about, but maybe if you could just take us through, like for example, if it's like a feature piece, in X publication, what type of cur- uh, of like initial conversion could we expect? And then maybe if it's like a mention as a part of a list, like what kind of um, conversion could we see in those types of situations?
2: It's a great question, and it's truly different for every brand, which is kind of an annoying <laughs> response, right? So like, if you have like a thirty dollar AOV, your conversion rate is going to be a lot higher than we work with a a client that sells ten thousand dollar couches, right? So conversion rate is going to be a lot different for those two and like you said it kind of depends on like it depends on the publication it depends on the story depends on the placement um there are so many variables so even sometimes when clients are like can you predict for us how much this is going to drive like it's very difficult um, for us to do that i think what we aim to do as an agency is kind of hit the four kpis around um, we're gonna get you the most you know press pieces that we can per month we're gonna get you the highest quality press pieces that we can per month. We're gonna drive increased traffic through the affiliate channel. And we're gonna drive increased revenue uh, through the affiliate channel kind of month over month. Um, so those are kind of the like metrics that we rally behind but really I would say it is unpredictable. There are trends that we can see. There are certain publications like Wirecutter or Strategist that just consistently drive like really great revenue for our clients usually like whenever they are included. Um, but then there's also like um, you know there's sometimes you're you get your client in Yahoo and it does nothing, and sometimes you get your client in Yahoo and it drives thirty thousand dollars in sales in a day. So it's like okay, <laughs> we try to piece back like what happened here? Did they promote it on the homepage? Was it like a newsletter push? Um, but we've also had you know gotten clients in like the strategists for specific let's say like gift of the day uh, features that have driven like, you know, over $50,000 in sales um, over maybe 70 over like a week long kind of campaign. So, um, and Oprah's favorite things is like a whole nother, (laughs) whole nother ball game, but it really just depends on kind of the publication, the placement, the story. Um, And we have started to finesse, like I said, like, you know, if it's a dedicated, if it's an I tried it piece, if it's within certain publications, we've kind of identified you know, top performing publications from there.
0: I was listening to a podcast the other day that was not our own. Um, And there was, they were talking about Oprah's list. Like back in the day, it would take a brand from a million to like 10 million that year if it was on Oprah's list. So, you know, how do you guys think about scalability? Sometimes people talk about PR being this like huge spike um, that then has a massive drop off. So as a brand, I'm wondering, you know, then how how do you create this into a machine or a process that can be repeatedly used? Because I assume you can only be mentioned so many times in BuzzFeed um, before the audience sort of sees the same thing over and over. So um, how do you drive a strategy over the long term for for your clients?
2: Yeah, you would be surprised how many times you can see the same product in BuzzFeed, actually. Um, yeah. We helped launch, you know, the brand, Our Place. And I think that's like an amazing example of, you know, they're in every single gift guide. And so actually at Dream Day, we work with a lot of, you know, highly giftable brands. We have a lot of different filters. For what we look for are highly giftable, Instagrammable, great photography, great brand story, product has to sell itself. Like a lot of the things that before were like, almost like nice to haves for us now when we are vetting new clients, like they're like table stakes. And I think that's representative of like the, you know, broader D 2 C world. But anyways, that's not answering your question. Um, I think that your question was like, how do we, um, kind of like, uh, continue to build hype over time. Is that right? Or like, or is it more, what is the impact of something like Oprah's favorite things?
0: Yeah. Like how do you continue to ride the momentum, uh, from like an initial PR release? Is it repurposing a lot of this stuff? Is it like, all right, we go organic, then we go advertorial. How do we continue to ride that wave over time?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I think part of our vetting is also like looking at brands that are always doing new and interesting things. That is honestly, it starts on the brand side. Um, uh, our job is to be amazing storytellers but we're also not magicians and if we are working with a brand that doesn't have a new la- you know launch or anything new coming up for the next 2 years editors there's only so many different angles that like you can have and editors are going to get sick of you pitching that brand so we specifically seek out brands that are you know excellent at marketing and excellent at launching new campaigns, launching new collaborations, working with new celebrities or influencers, um, launching new products and like do have something new for us to talk to in a fairly regular cadence. I would say like at least twice a year at a very bare minimum, you know, four times a year better, but we have a lot of clients that are like launching something new or doing a new collaboration like every couple of weeks. Um, And those are like our highest volume press clients. So I would say, You know, it's it's a, um, our approach is to really like get, again, that really high volume by combining affiliate marketing and PR. So those are two separate lists. We pitch commerce editors, um, you know, our pitch again, that's kind of like highly editorialized, really serving up that story for editors on a silver plate. We have a separate list that we pitch all of the heads of affiliate, um, kind of like the business opportunity for the brand. So I think, again, that dual pronged approach is what allows us to get really like high volume of press. Um, but again, going back to kind of like, how do we, you know, keep the brand relevant? I think it starts with the brand side, again, having really interesting, you know, launches or campaigns or collaborations. Um, and then obviously, we're looking at like the editorial calendar, what is what our editor is talking about? How can this, you know, fit in? Um, again, giftability is like a huge filter for us because there's always a gift guide, right? It's like Zodiac gift guide, which is every single month or, you know, mother's day or, you know, holiday or what have you. Um, that also helps with like getting that kind of high volume. Um, there's also just so many gift guides for him, for her. And if you're giftable, people are going to be searching for those gift guides and therefore like you're going to see more affiliate revenue than if you're not a giftable brand. Um, I still don't know if like I answered that question very well. No, no. I feel free to you, like you, drill, you to- drill me harder no, on that one.
0: <laughs> you you totally did. I what I what really stood out to me is like knowing and being tapped into what specific um, publishers are into at that moment. So for example, a lot of people might say, "Oh, we'll just like pitch." you know, the, the publications ourselves, but you guys have the insight into, Hey, this publication right now is super into gift guides or whatever it is. And do a tailored pitch that, you know, will get your attention rather than like a mass sprayed, um, you know, spray and pray method.
2: Yes, we definitely don't do this spray and pray method. And I would say we have, we form really close relationships with the editors that we work with. So beyond just knowing like the, you know, editorial calendar, what are what does each publisher care about when? It's like, what is this specific edit, editor curious about now or really trying now? Like we're connected to all of their Instagrams. We've, we follow them closely. We, we DM them on Instagram. Like they've also kind of gotten to know us as an agency as, you know, sending them a lot of the best direct-to-consumer brands. So a lot of time they'll, you know, just tap us for like, what's interesting, what do you have, you know, coming up that's within this theme that I'm curious about or that I'm writing a story on. Um, but I think it, it is really being very diligent and understanding in and out the media landscape. Our team tracks, you know, to the second, like any time an editor has moved from one publication to another publication or, um, that, that editor has expressed that they're, you know, working on, uh, they're really curious about this topic versus that topic. Um, really being obsessed with our contacts and RVP has something that I really love that she always says. And she's like, you know, clients if we're doing this for the next 20 years, like clients will come and go, um, but the relationships that we form with editors are forever. And that is so true of like the media landscape, like editors remain editors usually for a pretty long time. Um, And our our VP has like been doing this for the last 20 years. So um, it's uh, I think really relationship driven and really like understanding kind of that editor's specific beat.
1: Lauren, one other question I have in in regards to this that maybe is a distinguishing for you guys versus other PR, even if a brand is trying to handle some of this themselves, is like clearly with such a strong emphasis on the affiliate and being able to help out like the publishers too as like partners in this, right? And developing that relationship. Is that a big component for the publishers and being able to take on the stories cuz not only are they knowing that a you're filtering brands and you're able to give them good products great brands that they've already passed that level of trust but b they're going to fit into the story they're giftable they're things that people actually want to buy and then c providing the infrastructure to g- help them generate revenue versus a brand who may be just trying to reach out and be like hey I I'm, I'm launching my brand and I've got this great store I want to take it without any of the affiliate component without any of the uh, relationship established. Is that kind of really what sets you guys apart
2: yeah I think you said that really well I think um, in a way we make our lives easier on us because we know what publishers want to talk about we know what's going to help make them money um, that's the honest truth um, and so yes yeah, like we look for again we we have like a hundred uh, question checklist that we go through for any new clients um, and kind of any new client like has to hit a certain score for us to take them on because we only really want the best case studies. I think also like in managing other agencies, I always felt like agencies are just like growing to grow and it's like more clients, the better, like we'll take anyone. And I, because I have two companies, like I want DreamD to be extremely curated with the best, you know, founders and brands and products that we work with. Um, and I think to that point, it's actually really worked to our advantage because a there's economies of scale where we get a lot of the best, like inbound, um, opportunities because they know that we work with this brand and then we can say, okay, yeah, we work with that brand, but we also work with these great brands. Um, so I think a lot of our clients kind of benefit from that. Um, but also I think it's really helped kind of form a really great relationship for Dream Day. Um, one, I think we're really easy and great to work with on the edit on the editorial side. But yes, like I think like I said earlier, like we're meeting publishers where they're at. Like we understand that they have, you know, editorial teams. We understand that they have affiliate and like commerce based teams. And so we try to kind of like serve them exactly with what they're looking for. And yes, try to bring them brands that are going to be mutually beneficial, that are going to be able to be very giftable, that will have high AOVs that are able to offer strong commission rates. Um, I think ultimately, again, in owning a pub- publication m- myself, like we are going to pay extra attention to the brands that are organically like, you know, making us the most money. So being able to identify what kind of brands those are for those publishers or are going to be, um, I think is like a little bit of our secret sauce.
0: I
1: think it's also really funny that you, you mentioned about the whole giftability thing. And I'm like looking through your brands and like, I have got, I've received an our place like pan as a gift and i like use it all the time so not only is it a good product but i was like literally gifted that um so anyway i think that's (laughs) that's really funny but um the next question that i kind of have is just in terms of like the brands that work from you because now you've seen you've seen this across not only like your own brand when you were running um, ritual but now you've seen this across like multiple brands who are like they've got all like the basics and like you said all the giftability they're doing cool stuff they're growing they have great branding but like can you just walk our audience or walk us through generally like what and in like what the life cycle almost looks like for some of these brands so like what how old are are they when they generally approach you um, like what stage are they at whether it's in terms of revenue or in terms of team size and then like what is that kind of engagement and what does it kind of look like once you've got them some PR placements, like what is that like for them as, as they start to, to grow? If you could just kind of characterize them.
2: You might have to like repeat that. that back to me as we go. Cause I'm like thinking about <laughs> my, the answers live, but, um, I think that most brands, uh, we have launched a few brands, but like most brands come to us when they're fairly established, when they have a true, you know, working budget for PR and affiliate. We staff each client with about 10 people. So it's, you know, it's it's pretty intensive on our end from just a, a resourcing perspective. Um, and I think also part of our secret sauce is just like the horsepower that we put into every account. And again, that like less is more kind of philosophy. Let's have less clients, but like do them very well. Um, but clients usually, I would say, you know, come to us at... Series A, um, kind of, uh, and I would say, usually like over <laughs> three million, um, in revenue. Obviously, we have clients that are, you know, over. We have a couple that are like over a hundred, um, uh, but it's kind of runs the gamut. We have a couple startups that are definitely like under that, and I always want to be nimble and flexible for. I think founders that like we're just as a team extremely um, inspired by like I don't ever want like our cost to kind of be inhibitive for them so it really kind of depends on the the brand and the story and really like I think um, our belief in like the brand thriving over the long term and us growing with them as their partner over time um, but also our ability to, you know, really provide like a successful case study. All of our business is um, word of mouth. And usually our best clients are just referred from other, you know, founders that we work with. Um, and so we really want to keep it that way with, you know, the best case studies. I'm not sure if I answered all your questions, but <laughs> is there anything Does else? that,
0: does that like replace, like do some companies, so 10A, that is like a lot of people. And that's awesome that it's pretty much like, you know. Navy SEAL team just like flying in to really implement this full strategy you know I'm thinking about this like hey this could probably drive an entire brand's um, growth strategy until their next phase Um, I wonder if some companies are now just looking at this as their sole marketing strategy rather than it be paid first and I know this does have a paid component to it but the, the overall strategy is not Necessarily, very organic. First. Yeah, yeah, we
2: don't even do honestly for a lot of affiliate agencies. Also, like you have to give them like a you know, whatever 10,000 let's say sponsored content per month kind of like budget. We don't do that, um, we don't do any sponsored content, and I can get into why. Um, we can do it if a client requests it, of course, but like we really want to flex up on kind of the organic and like the affiliate side obviously you have to factor in the commission rate that you're offering. And that goes into the overall like affiliate CPA, but usually affiliate marketing is still like one of the most efficient channels. I think we had a client last year that they had analyzed like Facebook versus, you know, affiliate marketing and affiliate, uh, as a channel was like 15 times more efficient and had, uh, sorry, 15 times higher ROAS, um, than paid social. So, um, I think it is an amazing channel. I think, yes, as you mentioned, like as you know, Facebook and Instagram, like the CPAs are rising and like, it's becoming like untenable to, you know, buy ads there. Um, and for brands to really like scale using that channel. Um, I do think that like organic meaning press and affiliate is really, has really become like a high priority kind of on the list. And I, um, to one of your questions earlier, Blaine, I forget which one it was, but like I will say that like if your brand does not have an affiliate um you know program it's just like doing your your brand the worst disadvantage if you're trying to actually make press like a part of the strategy like it's it's almost impossible. There's a couple brands that we work with that didn't have an affiliate program and they still got press, but they were just like, you know, very celebrity driven and um but if, if you're not that it's extremely hard to get press, um, because publishers just, you know, they, they want to work with brands that are, are going to be mutually beneficial.
0: For sure. And, you know, the affiliate is, is going to want to choose companies they know they can drive results for. So, um, I do want to switch gears to the quality edit a bit more. So, um, you know, how do brands collaborate with the quality edit? Is it all of your customers? Um, is it, you guys, are you guys working with brands that aren't necessarily customers, um, of daydream? Like how does, how does that really work? How do you see the quality edit today and, and over the long term?
2: Yeah. Just to clarify, it's really church and state with dream day and the quality edit. So, um, the quality edit editors or sorry, um, yeah, editors are pitched by the publicists of dream day, just as they would as dream day publicists would pitch any other, Um, you know, publication. Sometimes the quality edit approves a pitch, sometimes they don't. I'm actually like completely removed from that entire process. We have like 50 editors at the quality edit. Um, So they're two completely separate businesses. Um, I think there's like a couple clients maybe that are both clients of the quality edit and Dream Day. Um, But I think that's just like, you know, we're doing a lot of cool stuff on the content marketing side, working with a lot of the same kind of direct to consumer brands. Um, so just clarifying that those are two separate businesses. Um, and then you asked your original question was kind of like how it works and then is it, do we work with a lot of organic brands? Which, um, I would say like probably 90% of everything that we, we write on the quality edit is just our editors discovering, you know, the coolest and best brands and products. So that is really like driving, kind of building the brand of the quality edit and building like the credibility Um, we do have like really great SEO that, um, you know, has been beating out a lot of traditional publishers. So when you search XYZ brand name review, um, if we've written about them, like the quality of it will rank usually like first or second. And I think that is because of like the actual, no pun intended, like quality that we're putting into each long form, you know, dedicated content piece, the photography, like all these different components. And I think like as consumers, like I mentioned before, like you're looking for like long form reviews, like you really want to like understand, is this a product that I should buy? And, you know, we're trying to help kind of, um, take out that hard work and that like diligence and kind of make it easy for our readers. Um, so that's kind of like the organic side on the business side. Sometimes what will happen is like, we'll write a story organically and the brand will be like, oh, my gosh, this is the best story we've ever had written about our brand. Is there a way for us to, like, amplify this on paid social? So that's when it becomes more of a business um, partnership. We change the language on the article from this is an affiliate article to now this is sponsored content um, so that anyone that is coming in, like, knows this is now, like, a business relationship. Um, and basically the main things that we're providing are, one, um, media management and strategy on behalf of the quality edit campaigns. So we're actually buying the um, you know Facebook and Instagram ads and and TikTok and Google and Pinterest if clients want to add those channels as well. Um, we also provide like I mentioned long form dedicated editorial on brands. Um, we provide conversion optimized landing pages. Um, we uh, also provide UGC influencer driven creative. So we have like a creator roster where. We're, um, you know, briefing the creator, we're getting like the best kind of like influencer creative that could be like a hero, um, kind of explainer video, just talking about the brand, or it could be like an, um, testimonial type of video where you're saying, you know, I tried this phone. This is the best phone I've ever tried. Here's why. Um, and, uh, what am I missing? Oh, and then we also provide like influencer whitelisting wherein, um, in addition to the quality of it serving these ads you could also have like one of our influencers serving these ads. So roll that all up into one service. Basically a brand comes to us, as they say they want to work with us. Um, and we really only have like a couple packages to choose from. It's really straightforward. And within three to four weeks, we're developing all of those assets and all of that content. And then usually by week four, we're ready to launch the campaigns. And um, and again, we're you know buying those ads and starting to kind of figure out what are the KPIs that we need to hit, what is their target CPA, what is their internal CPA. Um, So I can say too, like across all of our clients, we we work with over 50 direct-to-consumer brands um, at the quality edit, and we're driving 20% lower CACs and 30% higher ROAS on average. So again, it's like we're not like we're we're reinventing the wheel. If everything on your Facebook is not working, we're not going to likely come around and change that. But we're going to provide these kind of tactics on the content marketing side that are going to help you, you know, just achieve that extra efficiency and scale on paid social. Um, The last thing I would say, too, is just that 90% of the time we're beating their internal CPA. So um, it's proven to be like a pretty effective method.
0: So that's why you guys come in with your own media team just to make sure that you have con- more control over hitting those KPIs. Like if I were to come in as a DTC brand and say, no, I want my own team. Um, I guess that creates bigger challenges on your end for like actually driving those KPIs.
2: It's interesting because we uh, we started that way at the quality of it. Um, and it's interesting, too, now that I'm reflecting back, like we kind of started that way with like BuzzFeed, too, like back in the day. Um, but I think, yes, exactly what you said. Like we, we, we started that way and what would happen sometimes is that we would have the perfect assets, perfect editorial, like everything on our end, we feel like really like perfectly lined up and we might give it away to an agency that the brand is working with and the campaign flops. And we're like, one, we don't know why it flopped because we don't have access to like the ad account. We can't really like provide insight or You know, any sort of strategy. Um, But two, like when my co founder might go, like, dig into that account and get access, she would see that, okay, everything in this account is not working. How are we ever going to be successful? So I think being able to, you know, have that insight from the beginning and kind of help drive kind of that strategy, working closely with the brand and figuring out what KPIs they're trying to target, um, has also allowed us to be very, like, nimble and move quickly. So, if something is working, how can we tweak that creative or how can we tweak that content to like lean more into that? Or if something is not working, let's like quickly shut off that ad or, you know, figure out why. Um, and, And I think ultimately it's like, just controlling as many variables as possible so that it is a true test. And so that, you know, we can kind of control our own destiny without it being like left up to chance. Something's not working, I wanna know why it's not working basically.
1: Lauren, one question that I have in in regards to, because I think what you guys are doing with the quality edit is really cool um, and clearly, you know, understanding the value of media and organic media and and the value it brings to brands. Um, so for a lot of, whether you're a brand, whether you're in D2C, whether you're in SaaS, like clearly the the common theme here is media and content marketing work and are are really important. But how do you think, you just mentioned, you know, we built a team of like 50 writers who are able to come in, be editors and be able to generate this massive amount of like really good content. How did, you, how did you build up the quality edit like from the ground up? What was the early days? Was it just like one writer who was like writing? And then how did you start to like scale that up and get conviction that this was like a business to like really build out?
2: Yeah, so my co-founder and I kind of had this idea that really like started as a passion project um again it was like in the height of the pandemic and I remember exactly where I was we just kept like calling each other like thinking about this further and she had like initially came to me with we we had this other kind of like landing page strategy where like many brands could drive traffic to the same landing page and they could share in the acquisition costs but it was all around like how do we help brands kind of like lower the CPAs and then how do we get build the publication that we ourselves want to read trying to like put all these you know things together we like called my uncle (laughs) sorry my uncle's listening called my uncle to help him like make us a website like it was not very good um (laughs) finally like invested in like a real you know web developer like just over time just got kind of more serious about it um and then I think like when we got our first client which was our place and you know now they have category exclusivity with us where they're like our you know in the cookware category they're our only um cookware partner two years later um that kind of once we started seeing that this strategy was working that we had envisioned for our clients that's obviously what kind of like propelled us to take it more seriously and to really like figure out what our secret sauce kind of was around it and what we could offer these brands and obviously it's been a very iterative process over the last two years um but in terms of like sourcing the editors we have a third co-founder who's our editorial director who's actually my I didn't share this part of the story, but my co-founder was the head of growth at Ritual. And she and I were sitting side by side when we were doing all these, uh, you know, Buzzfeed and working with all these other publications. So I'd work to kind of bring in the, the publication and to, you know, get the ideal story written and to get the affiliate kind of there. And she would work to really like amplify it and figure out kind of the paid acquisition side. So fast forward to like, you know, seven years later, we're almost like doing that same thing here. Um so that uh that's one co-founder and then her now husband is our editorial director and our third co-founder. Um and when we were first starting honestly she's like you know this is at the time she's like my boyfriend is like an amazing writer he has this little like newsletter um you know I think he could really like help us and that evolved from him joining as our editorial director and then into a third co-founder as he's like just provided really tremendous value and like I can't imagine oddly like anyone else doing the role that he's doing um, and then in terms of you know scaling up to like 50 editors like I think it does help because I have a PR agency I see who a lot of the you know best freelance editors are and I have some of those relationships already um so that really helps and then you know he as well is just like constantly like looking at who are the best kind of like freelancers or editors that have left you know top-tier publications that are looking to Um, you know, come on. And it's just been kind of a a slow process over the last two years, just recruiting as many, you know, good people as we can.
1: Yeah. And I think what's really, um, you know, unique, like you just said, you're able to like lock in different category partners uh, for each one of the verticals. I think that's um, a really, you know, cool thing because they can have their own voice directly to their customers and directly to Um, their, you know, in their life cycle marketing and all that sort of stuff. But externally, right, that stuff drives traffic, that stuff matters as well to drive conversion back onto site and back to the brand. So I think that's a really cool way of structuring it. So um, as we wrap up here, I know we covered a lot. This was a really awesome episode to talk everything from from media to brand to PR and how it's all kind of related. Um, Where can our listeners connect with you, or are you on, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, and where can they find out more about, um, you know, Dream Day as well as the Quality Edit?
2: Yeah, I deleted my Twitter app, so probably not there. Sometimes I check it, um, but probably email is best. Um, Lauren at dreamday.la .la for Dream Day, and Lauren at thequalityedit .com for the Quality Edit, uh, and I would say LinkedIn is a is a close second. I'm I'm on LinkedIn a lot.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much.
2: Really appreciate both of your time and great questions. Look forward to chatting more soon. Take care. Bye.